think again. My friend. Episode 3. Cole. Contains explicit content. What are you listening to for the next half hour? Think again, my friend. The panel game podcast for the curious American. This episode, Cole. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Think Again, my friend. That was good over there. The um, the podcast quiz show. I'm your host, Mike Sugarbaker. Would our panelists introduce themselves on my left? My name is Kristen McCurdy and I owe your soul to the company store. Cross from me. I'm Brendan Adkins and I am a coal worker in 19th century England. And I'm Mark Bergo, and I learned from a book I got from the library that I wouldn't want to be a coal miner in 19th century England. So I guess we have to go straight into, um, well, our, our theme today is coal, and I'm not even going to introduce it because we need to go straight into talking about this book, and we have it here. So uh, this is a book that um, I, I picked up in the course of um, doing some research uh, for, for this episode, and it is called uh, You Wouldn't Want to Be a 19th Century Coal Miner in England. It is subtitled <laughs> A Dangerous Job You'd Rather Not Have. The authors are John Malam. Uh, it was illust- the author is, rather, John Malam. It was illustrated by uh, David Antrim. You forgot the sub-subtitle. What's the subtitle? It's on the front. It now, says, this is a, this is a um, should we hold it up to the microphone so that people can see it? Tweet is the subtitle. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was just what the bird was. The bird was telling us that we should uh, alert our um, compatriots in social media to the existence of this book. Um, <laughs> now, this is so, a children's book in format, basically. This is yes. a hardbound square book with not that many pages. It's published by Scholastic. I think I see their logo there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And so it's someone... probably something one can get at a book fair or through book orders. Um, there, it's part of a series. Um, book orders. Oh. Uh, um, right. So. That's right. We're not about nostalgia at all. Yeah. Um, there, there are other things that you would not want to be, as it turns out. You would not want to be Alexander the Great's army. You would not want to be an 18th century. I might want to be Alexander. Yeah, that's kind of a a metaphysical question. (laughs) You you would not want to be an 18th century British convict. I have to say, free trip to Australia. Think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Victorian servant, apparently also a thing that um, the children of today need to be talked out of aspiring to. Um, <laughs> that's, and I, that's the big question here is what, what is the perceived need for these books? <laughs> Who is it that they're telling? I think no, you can't do these. These were all written by a time traveler from approximately 1850 <laughs> who just came to the future and was like, listen, everything was terrible. <laughs> oh, and oddly specific, too, because, you know, you really want to be a 20th century coal miner in China. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Things yeah. are much better. Oh. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah or, or say a 21st century coal miner in, uh, I mean, 
This is definitely in the category of too soon, but let's just say West Virginia four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Really kind of not actually a thing I, I am four, aspiring to. Four months to. from now, I would guess. <laughs> well, sure. But particularly four months ago. Too early? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> um, uh, we don't know. Um, but, but my other thing about this book is like you wouldn't want to be a 19th century coal miner in England. Like why, why does it matter where? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm guessing that that's where the most coal production was. Oh, okay. And so what these books really are is, you know, you're you're trying to find a clever hook to expose your audience to this thing that existed, you know. Um, okay. Whenever. So I would guess that, like, coal and, mining and in other countries. And to tell you what the life of that person was like in the past. See. But still... I was just guessing it was uh, whatever the author could find on Wikipedia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm guessing that egg coal mining in other countries at that time was really pretty cushy. Like, <laughs> not hard work. I yeah. Mean, well, that, I mean, that, that sort of brings me to um, my, my, my other part of my, my report here, which is that the, the book is written in second person. It's, it's not only specific in its title, but the premise is not just that you are a 19th century coal miner in, in England, England. <laughs> <laughs> that it sucks, um, but that uh, you are a male child in 19th century England, and it's not just 19th century England. It's about 1869 is when the, the hmm. book takes place. So you know how your rights are different. You learn how your rights are different from, say, uh, people who are male children working in coal mines in the 1840s. Um, the book is all written in second person. It's a pretty detailed description of a, what your job is like. It's very much, and, and what you might do about the fact that your job completely sucks, um, discussions of, of uh, you know, joining a union, or at least going to some union meetings, maybe going on strike to make things a little bit better. Okay. Um, those options are given, not those options are given to you, but it's just sort of explained that this is probably what you'll do because you don't know what else you're going to do. Oh, no, what I is like this... is that it is very much like a choose your own adventure book, Okay, but yeah. you are not given any choices. It is essentially <laughs> not simply for its pro trade union bent, but for its, but for its, uh, structure, it is essentially a Marxist choose your own adventure book in that false consciousness is done away with. <laughs> Um, now, does it say, like, if you do this thing, turn to page 18 and then just not list any others? Well, in a no, way, like, very good. the introduction very is, good, but... you don't have to work in a mine. You're a kid because it's 1869. Then, it, like, the next page is like, well, when you're working in a mine, it sucks for you. Well, no, you don't go down into the mine. So there are certain parts of working in a mine that you cannot do because you're a kid and it's 1869. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas kids in 1840 would have had to do that job. So, anyway. Um Pretty much, uh, uh, yeah, giving an English major um, access to the children's section of the library isn't necessarily the smartest move. <laughs> you, wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't want to do that either. <laughs> and uh, You wouldn't want to be an English major. <laughs> 21st century America, yeah. Oh boy. oh, boy, would you ever not. Um, so that is my review. And uh, oh, can, can we say more about the tweet on the cover? Okay, <laughs> oh, what we oh, have on the oh cover, okay. Here, pa pass me the book. Pass so the, on the cover, there's a picture of a gentleman with a with a uh, pickaxe and 
a headlamp and he's also got a cage and there is a bird in the cage and the bird has a speech balloon next to his head that says tweet yeah the bird really, is really really big comic sans yeah i was gonna Very say it makes sans. me it strikes me as a, a post-production edition like uh yeah somebody in had case, to tweak it in case nobody knows what birds are supposed to say <laughs> or somebody said you, you the the bird needs to pop more it's not <laughs> popping out of this everything is covered in soot and you can't see the bird whereas the and, coal miner's clearly terrified because his bird is not tweeting and he knows he's going to die yeah, well yeah. yeah he's got the big uh, he looks a, a little bit like a terry gilliam illustration well the, yeah a little yeah. So, I, I mean the nice thing about the nice thing about speech balloons is that they never seem to get covered in soot <laughs> And is it still sure Comic Sans if it's hand-lettered? Mm, I think, well, I, I, if it's not Comic Sans per se, it's definitely, it's a, is that a font family now? I feel like I'm seeing fonts that are very much like Comic Sans. Oh, there's a ton. Yeah. yeah Microsoft's no, actually updated Comic Sans. Oh, dear. <laughs> now they changed all the kerning and everything just like a month ago. Because somebody is still working on that font I, to get it to be the best it can be. I you am know, passionately interested in that subject, but it's going to have to be another time. I was going to <laughs> Next say, show, Comic you Sans. Know, <laughs> font developer discontent. at Microsoft in the Comic Sans division. Another job I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't do Papyrus. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, Loretta Lynn, um, of course, famous for the, uh, the book and, uh, and film Coal Miner's Daughter. Was, is in fact a coal miner's daughter and was raised in a small village in a heavy coal-producing region in Appalachia. Name this small town. Anyone hmm. want to jump in? We'll start with Ms. McCurdy. Um, I'm going to say I knew this a week ago. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Steubenville because it's a, Stu- I want to make sure I've got that, that right. My mind. Steubenville. Okay, uh, Mr. Atkins. That's in Ohio, but <laughs> good start. Yes, it is. I want to say raccoon. <laughs> raccoon? All right. Mr. Burgo. Uh, Harlan County, Kentucky. <laughs> that's, a, that's not a village. It's not a it's village? Um, well, <laughs> well, it's, it's, county, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a coal mining area. The, that's all I know. The name of the town is Butcher Holler. Butcher oh, holler. A holler. Yeah. My oh, grandmother grew up in a holler. Oh. Yeah. I'm, uh, Tell us about holler. W holler specifically. All right. What, uh, what, what makes the town a holler? I have no idea. I always sort of imagined it as a, a gulch, basically, oh. where it is considered shelter in that you can put something flat over top. So, is it, yeah, corruption of the word hollow. Well, yes. I, yeah, okay. I met a man when I was living in Korea who is also from a holler in uh, Kentucky, and he explained it to me. It was like a road that just sort of went up, and you could holler up it and get anyone who lived up on the road. Ah. Mm-hmm. That makes way more sense. Yeah, I don't know. But he Across also... Etymology or otherwise. I mean. yeah. Also from W. Holler, the poet laureate of Kentucky, Jesse Stewart. Mm. Oh, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How's he doing? <laughs> I believe he is dead. <laughs> also, a very poor poet. <laughs> Excellent. But an autodidact, if that counts for anything. <laughs> All right. True or false, Loretta Lynn's um, autobiography, Coal Miner's Daughter, was the first country singer autobiography to hit the bestseller list. True. Hmm. Atkins? False. Surely Johnny Cash predated that. Mm, true. All right, points to Burgo and McCurdy oh, on that one. Yeah, yeah, Cash by Cash actually came out in like ninety. But he had one before that. What's that? He had one before that. Oh, you're right. He had Man in No Man in White was a novel. 
No, I'm sure he had two autobiographies. Yeah, no, he did have a book out fairly early, but it may not have predated Loretta Lynn, or it may not have uh, charted. But he wrote a book called Man in White. Yeah, he did. That, that that's about Jesus. Mm, yeah, but, but it was it was a, it was about the idea. Okay, so you know the premise of Man in Black is when things are brighter. It was about that premise. It was about what happens post redemption. That's so my a, understanding. I have not actually read it. A Johnny Cash based utopia. <laughs> it's the only utopia that I personally. I would want to in. be a coal miner there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would want to do anything <laughs> in that All universe. Right. Speaking of Johnny Cash, um, Johnny Cash uh, made famous on Folsom Prison Blues, uh, the album. A, uh, a song about the temptations of coal mining called Dark as a Dungeon, which was written by another famous country singer. Can you name that singer? I believe that was Jack Chick. <laughs> if Jack Chick made a country <laughs> album, how amazing would that be? And you, you refer, of course, to the famous pamphlet Dark Dungeon. Yes. Which is about... Um, <laughs> it's, it's only famous to a particular demographic. Yes, Mr. Atkins and I are, are in this demographic. Consider the target audience for this show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do we have a target audience? <laughs> we do. People um, on the internet. There's an audience? Who know me and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Also, some people who are related to me. That's as far as, <laughs> as, far as I've been able to determine. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I demand a Jack Chick country album at this point. <laughs> It can't be that hard. Can I can I write a Jack Chick inspired country album? Certainly, but okay. we I would want to see some connection, you know, with titles or something. Oh, totally, mm-hmm. yeah. totally. Yeah, but do you have Song. a guess as to who wrote um, "Dark as a Dungeon"? Um, Pete Seeger. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, how about you? Uh, well, I'm gonna go with Merle Travis. <laughs> you are right, sir. <laughs> I may, I, have had an unfair advantage. <laughs> I may have had an unfair advantage there. Yes. Merle I don't Travis. know if you had an unfair advantage. You had a... <laughs> decided to cheat. Yeah, if, Which is sort you, of like having an unfair advantage. I was asked the question. If you contribute to the show, you get questions right. That's how it works. <laughs> That's how we... Um, yeah, okay. That's user-generated content. When, when, when the uh, budget expands, we'll hire re- dedicated researchers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, this uh, bird on the cover of this book keeps staring me in the face. It seems clear we must talk about canaries. All right, uh, in 1986, the BBC reported that UK coal mining companies have begun using electronic sensors to detect carbon monoxide in mines, thereby phasing out the use of canaries. How many canaries were phased out of full-time employment that year? I think it's the same number as uh, journalists were laid off last year in America, uh, which I'd put roughly at 50,000. Right. And that, of course, is due to the um, electronic sensors to detect news. Yes. In, uh, <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Atkins. Uh, you know, I have no idea, but I'm just I'm paralyzed by the thought of the impact on Canary Social Security. I mean... <laughs> Where do canaries go when they when they retire? <laughs> no Same place as nice. everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to be a canary. Yeah. In, uh, in a coal ever. mine. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the number at about two hundred, um, and uh, it's my understanding that they all went into the adult entertainment industry, <laughs> where they were detecting. 
But they were they were mostly <laughs> safe. No, they no. were they were taking off all their clothes. Oh, because wow. that's what you do when you get laid off from and the go whole into the yeah. mining industry. Gonzo oh. was ecstatic that year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. What happened? <laughs> it is actually 200. It is 200. <laughs> okay. Once, once again. <laughs> All right. The circle of life. All right. 200. Thank you, Ms. McCurdy. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, canaries are, of course, the best-known uh, indicator species um, in our culture, but they are far from the only indicator species, uh, which is to say a species whose health or presence can tell you about the presence of other things in the environment in which they are. Um, and not all of them are animals. Prospectors in western deserts will analyze samples from juniper and saltbrush to determine whether it's a good idea to dig for what? Gin. <laughs> Fuck that, let's dig right now. <laughs> exactly, why, you know? Why uh, worry about it? Mass <laughs> graves. Mass <laughs> graves? Okay. No, it's got to be silver, right? Silver? Yeah. Uh, in western deserts, that's hmm? that's good odds. Um, Ms. McCurdy, what say you? I have a feeling you researched this one as well. I'm going to go with... Uh, From I'm a rather go- smug look on your face. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, uranium. Uranium, yes. Yeah. Uranium. Yeah. Yes, juniper and saltbrush do well around... Is it the radiation no, in particular? No, you can detect uranium in... The plant, oh. or in the maybe even maybe in the roots of the plant, or no, it's that the roots are so deep that when the plant urinates, it, 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 <laughs> urinates. it tastes like gin. Exactly. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> All right. Um, what is a collier? A coal miner. Well, it's it's not as much as a colliest, um, but certainly more than a collie. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say it's a it's a medium sized breed of dog um, that generally generally uh, works with livestock. All right, bred to work with livestock historically. It it is one who is skilled in coal mining. Points to Mr. Burgo, I suppose. I would never have guessed that well, from the context. <laughs> although although one guesses um, that perhaps in the present day, uh, not all coal miners are colliers. But all colliers are, of course, coal miners. I'd imagine an unskilled coal miner is a dead coal miner, so I would assume <laughs> most coal miners are colliers. I don't know. I don't know if there's, Too like, an academy. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, in the definitions category, what is lamp black? Lamp black. Black stuff that comes out of a lamp. Possibly. If the lamp is very poorly designed, Ms. McCurdy. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's polish that you use to polish your lamp to make it blacker, but also shinier. Mm. Mm. Mr. Burgo. <laughs> I want to live in that world where lamp polishing is something industrious colliers do on a Sunday night. I was thinking it was something, you know, the 19th century equivalent of a blacklight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Oxford dorms you know, in 1837, you know. Yeah. Hey, baby. <laughs> put, up, put up your uh, poster of Immanuel Kant. And... <laughs> exactly. yeah. It's not a strobe light. It's just one person moving his hand really fast in front of it. <laughs> Keep pedaling. Uh, no, lamp black is soot. Oh. Lamp black is soot, which, of course, covered most things in Europe. Um, <laughs> certainly everything in London uh, for a long time. Um, and in the countryside as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was... Um, oh, where was it? 
there was a, a wonderful thing. Apparently, uh, it, sometimes when you search the New York Times, they don't mind giving you an entire old article if it's really, really old. It's really old. <laughs> and this came from out of um, 1922, July 26th, New York Times. Um, the headline was Europe's Dirtiest Cities. Uh, Soot gives those of England and Scotland that evil distinction. <laughs> And the, the word evil was used differently in headlines back then. <laughs> was um, it? Yeah, well, but it was... That it was, was the original axis of evil, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. England, Scotland, and soot. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lord Newton in the House of Lords uh, delivered the findings that the article was about, and uh, the, the article clarified he referred not to the bathing habits of the people, but to the practically unrestricted use of soft coal in factories and for domestic fires. Uh, according to Lord Newton in 1922, how many tons of soot fell each year on each square mile of London? Tons of soot per square mile? How did you measure that? I have no did idea how we measured it. one square mile set aside and just, you know, was, weigh it at the end of the a, year? He was a lord. Like, he had powers. <laughs> oh, that's Seriously. true. Powers to measure. <laughs> I think they just scraped it off the peasantry in each square mile. <laughs> Old still. Weighed it up. <laughs> you, shake it off. How many tons of soot per square How many mile? Tons? Okay, let's go high-low. Uh, is it higher or lower than 100 tons? Ms. McCurdy. Higher. Agent. 500 tons. Got to be higher. 500. Okay. Higher than 500 or? No. Okay. I'm going down. between 101. 100, you're going 101. <laughs> Taking okay. prices right straight. <laughs> <laughs> or a yes or no question. <laughs> the, answer, the answer is 300 tons of soot um, by Lord Newton's wow. estimation fell each year on each square mile of London. He, he said that it was enough to build a pyramid three times as high as the famous clock tower over the Houses of Parliament. And I have no conception of how tall that is i wonder if you just like calculated what was left when you burn you know a pound of coal like the remaining carbon that escapes did they did they know coal was made of carbon at that point <laughs> well you know you if you just weighed the lamp black <laughs> after <laughs> we're learning already uh final entry um final entry in the uh in the the uh, definition sweepstakes here what is a hillbilly we're going to see who gets closest to uh the first known appearance in print uh with the definition of the phrase hillbilly ms mccurdy you look ready <laughs> i look ready um <laughs> that's interesting because my uh woefully underfunded rural education really hasn't prepared me all that well for life <laughs> Anyway, um, I believe a, a hillbilly is um, a person who um, lives in, in, in a rural area, generally by a river on which people from the city want to go on rafting trips, and then does untoward things in the direction of those people <laughs> when things go awry on, on those rafting trips. <laughs> It started out so mundane and became this captivating narrative. I want to hear the rest of this life story. Uh, yeah. Eventually he comes to realize the error of his ways. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, uh, Mr. There's a certain amount of uh, homoeroticism in the, the frame story 
And then, um, and then they're they're acts of naturally sublimated and edited out of the uh, Victorian version. Well, the, <laughs> this is well post-Victorian, <laughs> and then and then maybe you know, maybe they're acts of um, <laughs> sodomy, violence between men. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> you were saying I'm going to say a hillbilly is anyone who can define holler. Mister <laughs> 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 Burko. Um, I'd say, you know, piggybacking off those answers, I'd say a hillbilly is someone who would just as soon, uh, make, just as soon make you squeal like a pig as shake your hand. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, according to, um, according to Wikipedia, the, uh, term first appeared in print in the New York Journal in 1900 with the definition, a hill-billy, spelled I-E, uh, is a free and untrammeled white citizen of Alabama who lives in the hills, has no means Alabama. to speak of, dresses as he can, talks as he pleases, drinks whiskey when he gets it, and fires off his revolver as the fancy takes him. Is this one of those things where, like, in 1900, Alabama was the size of Alaska or something? I, I was wondering where there were any hills in Alabama. 1900? <laughs> <laughs> My history is not great, Mike. <laughs> he... <laughs> How large was Kentucky when you were there? <laughs> Kentucky was originally one county of Virginia. <laughs> if that tells you how big Virginia was. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm going to give the points to Ms. McCurdy here. Uh, okay. That's, I, <laughs> I, I the most say, involved the, answer. The, the definition that you have offered really, to me, sounds like somebody living the perfect whip. I might not particularly choose Alabama. But the rest of it, that pretty much sounds like a person living the perfect life. Yeah. yeah. A Johnny Cash utopia, if you will. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> sound too bad. And portions of Alabama are beautiful. Portions of it are hell holes. Uh, I have no doubt. Yes. Yes. With a little moonshine, it's all pretty tolerable. Uh-huh. Yeah, when you get it. When you get it. <laughs> yes. Okay. China. Let me make sure I have an answer to this question. Yes. Um, is that the same question? I don't know. Hello. <laughs> yes? Is this the part no. of the podcast where Maybe. we just talk about... Is this the part of the podcast where I, I swear? <laughs> <laughs> what part of the podcast is not? It's the part of the podcast where we continue discussing anal rape and its ramifications to southern culture. <laughs> its ramifications to canaries, really. According All those laid-off canaries. Off canaries. Are the first ones being raped in the That's when they start tweeting. <laughs> yes, that's how you have to start them. I, I, and when they stop, then you know that the rapist has passed out from the carbon monoxide fumes. I just became the mayor of ass rape. <laughs> Thanks, Foursquare. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to open a bar called Asri just so that somebody can be the mayor of it. Try to become the Grand Pooba. <laughs> Sorry. Not cool. It's not cool. <laughs> oh, I draw the line at Asri related puns. Oh my god, I'm crying. All right. Uh, I found the question I was going to ask. But now there's no way I can ask it. <laughs> so I'm going to ask this one instead. <laughs> now, the, the Stinksteinwand, I may or may not have pronounced well, that correctly. You can't ask the other the question? Stinksteinwand, or the Stinking Stone Wall. It means Stinking Stone Wall. Adkins. Um, 
The Stinksteinwand is a coal fire in Germany that has been burning since the year 1668. Whoa. There is a plaque at the site commemorating a visit in 1770 of this German romantic writer. Who is it? McCurdy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. I, I, yeah. Although I... I, I feel like I need to point out that I'm neither German nor particularly romantic. Um, I'm going to go with Goethe. Goethe? Okay. That's what I was going to say. Oh, man. (laughs) That exhausts my repertoire of German romantic writers. Your clever tactic has backfired. Uh, Mr. Burgo? Um, I'm going to go with Goethe as well, except I'm going to pronounce it Gotha. (laughs) You you can do whatever you want. I I want to change my answer to Burgo. It sounds distinctly more German. (laughs) It does sound... More, it sounds more German than McCurdy does. <laughs> My geography is not strong, Mike. <laughs> right. uh, yes, the correct answer is Gota. Yeah. I don't know why they don't want to have a plaque up saying, this shit has been burning since 1668. I know, I thought Centralia was bad. <laughs> Centralia? Just Centralia, in... Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Uh, it is on fire underground Centralia. and has been for about 40 years. Uh, 40 years, okay. That's no, not quite 400. Still seven people living there, if that tells well, you anything. Yeah, I mean, and they're all an, white. It's in <laughs> yeah. America years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like, yeah, what, 20% of our history? Yeah. <laughs> Calving ice shelves for the Cold War question of the week. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> All right. The BP Offshore Oil Rig, Sea Gem, was created in 1964 out of a steel barge. It was not even built to purpose. It was created out of a steel barge in 1964, becoming Britain's first offshore oil rig. A year later, in 1965, something happened. Who can guess what? Um, It exploded, killed 12 miners, and filled the Gulf of Mexico with oil. Mm, not not quite. No. It's got to be something canary related. I don't know what. Do they need canaries on offshore oil rigs? <laughs> for for joie de vivre, if nothing else. Oh, I see. <laughs> Ms. McCurdy. It sank. <laughs> yes. Specifically, it burned down, fell over, and sank into the North Sea. <laughs> it's not actually in that order. Uh, but, it, but its legs collapsed, um, perhaps suggesting that taking a steel barge and turning it into an offshore oil rig is not the best way to make an offshore oil rig. <laughs> oil rig. Um, for five bonus points, anybody who wants to could try saying oil rig five times fast. <laughs> no takers. I thought so. Oil rig five times fast. Fuck you, Atkins. <laughs> oil rig, oil rig, oil rig, oil rig, oil rig, oil rig, oil rig. That might have been six. If you don't count to five, right? You get the points. I wasn't a math major. I went to a liberal arts college. Yeah. The 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 legs collapsed and there and there were explosions. Um, interestingly. Uh, this led to uh, Britain's first discovery of natural gas. Uh, natural gas led in general in the world, and primarily in Britain because that was where they were using a lot of it, to the commercial end of life of what coal-related product? Ms. McCurdy. Charcoal? <laughs> <laughs> 
We're, we don't really have any charcoal-related questions. And it seems like we ought it's to. It's not quite actually coal. No, it's not at all. And it doesn't seem to have reached its uh, commercial end of life. Not at all. <laughs> Mr. Atkins. Is it Coke? No. Uh, that is also, not its commercial end of life. No, I'm not, not that kind of <laughs> There is a coal... Yeah, it's called no, Coke. No. It yeah. Burns yeah, very yeah, it's involved in producing Coke. No, uh, also not that. Steel. No, steel. producing steel. Thank you. And Coca-Cola. Yes. Um, I believe the answer to that is coal gas. You are correct. What? Known as town gas in... Uh, I don't know why I think that's so funny. It was called town <laughs> gas in England. Coincidentally, the uh, phasing out of town gas led to a dramatic decrease in uh, suicides by sticking your head in the oven because uh, natural gas has a lower um, carbon monoxide content. Oh, nice. Mm. Nice. The, I, the bleak fact the world, of the day. Yeah, the, the world of confessional poetry was never the same. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, we have had no specific questions about West Virginia. Um, where there is, um, is it the epicenter of uh, coal mining still in the U.S. now? I believe it's the number one producer. All right. That's why they don't have any mountains anymore. Ah, yes. The whole... Um, they weren't using them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we make mining safer. We simply take away the mountain and get the coal inside. And we get rid of the valleys as a bonus. Also, yeah. also if you get supermodels to work in your mines, that works <laughs> really, really well. Okay, what can you tell us about that? I'm referring to uh, a, a campaign by General Electric um, in about 2004. Um, they they ran some ads that uh, featured supermodels working in coal mines. Uh, the song 16 Tons is playing in the background, and the voiceover explains that coal is becoming more attractive these days, and it's, it's an ad for clean coal. Um, oddly... Oddly, <laughs> this ad uh, was pulled pretty quickly as it kind of produced a major backlash. It turns out they did an exceptionally poor job <laughs> of, <laughs> of marketing uh, clean coal to, I don't know, say people who might have been skeptical about it, like, say, progressives, <laughs> who might have been very curious about the, um, yeah, the choice of music, the choice of... <laughs> Supermodels oh as as yeah. a stand-in for attractiveness. I'm just um, picturing the target audience for that commercial. People who are like, I want to use coal, but only if I can have sex with it. <laughs> you know, I was going to go get a six-pack of Bud Light Lime, but maybe I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just burn some coal instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the the largest coal mining disaster in documented history. I'm going to bring things down a little bit now. <laughs> was I'm glad a, it's you and not me this time. <laughs> was a, was a, I'm doing this for you, Kristen. <laughs> Thanks. Was a mine explosion in China which killed 1,549 people. Supermodels? No. Yes, all sadly. supermodels. No. Uh, the but second they, largest. A lot of them were probably, you know, Asian chicks. <laughs> Not soon enough, Kristen. Not soon enough. We're all fired. Uh, <laughs> 
the second largest coal mining disaster. Uh, killing uh, 1,099 people, which I keep reading is 1099, and I'm reaching for a joke about the employment status of those people. <laughs> they were definitely independent contractors. Right. <laughs> but it occurred in what country? Also China. Also China? Okay. Ms. McCurdy, what do you have? I'm going to go with Hungary, just because... <laughs> because you know the answer? We, we, haven't, we haven't picked on Europe in a while. Uh, okay. Is I'm there gold in Hungary? I'm going to go with France. You're going to go with France. All right. Um, one of you knows the answer to this question. What? <laughs> I believe it was me. I think I wrote this one. All right. It was an, another, uh, it was a, you know, a mindful of French chicks. <laughs> there are that many people in France? Apparently. And they're all supermodels who mine coal. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke a lot of cigarettes, which is why they had an explosion and they all died. It wasn't clean. It wasn't clean coal. And see, they didn't dirty, use canaries because coal. they already had enough joie de vivre. Exactly. <laughs> and turns out berets do not provide adequate head protection. I'm going to ask um, a final question before we go to uh, closing remarks. Um, now, final question, true or false, we're going with here. Um... No way, that's stupid. <laughs> As opposed to the rest True of the podcast. Which country? <laughs> hey, Mark, see this? The, yeah. <laughs> you can't do this on the radio. <laughs> I believe that's what they the FCC calls a fleeting expletive. <laughs> Maybe a tweeting expletive. Yeah. All right. That's what the canary's really saying on the front of that book. <laughs> You wouldn't want to be, um... I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> Sodomized canary <laughs> in France. Um, for closing remarks, um, we'll pass it to uh, Mr. Burgo. Well, I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> closing remarks, and that I would like to take this opportunity to thank uh, Ms. McCurdy for inviting me on and really classing up this podcast. <laughs> And bringing a, a level of erudition, erudition that just hasn't been seen before. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. very kind of you. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a very humble person. My closing remark is actually a challenge question for the rest of you. Oh, okay. Uh, speaking of class and erudition, <laughs> this, state, this question comes out from my home state of Kentucky. In 2007, State Representative Jim Gooch... <laughs> Oh, yeah. A real man, and that is his real name. <laughs> he later we'll, moved. We'll put a picture of Jim Gooch in oh, the yeah. show notes. He looks exactly like <laughs> you would expect some of his Jim Gooch. actually called him Jim Taint. <laughs> <laughs> Only the nice ones. Uh, <laughs> he later moved to Portland and lived on Northwest 23rd and Cooch. <laughs> Becoming known as Gooch Cooch. Uh, State Representative Jim Gooch became briefly infamous in 2007 for making a presentation to the Kentucky House of Representatives featuring two speakers, one a lawyer and one a lobbyist, uh, who were both global warming skeptics. Um, when asked why there were no points of view represented by people with a background in science, Gooch responded, and I quote, well, I mean, where are we going to get scientists? We're limited here in Kentucky to what we can do. I don't know how we'd necessarily get scientists to come here. <laughs> When he said that, how far away from the University of Kentucky Department of Earth and Environmental Sciences was he standing? And how many full-time PhDs in geology does the department employ? I'm going to say 1,000 feet and maybe 50 full-time PhDs. Not bad, not bad. 
Um, I'll say half a mile and 15. Um, yeah, I, I would say I would say about two miles and 25. Uh, your senses of irony are all too overdeveloped. It was actually 20 miles. Uh-huh. Uh, but <laughs> the distance between Frankfurt and Lexington. But they had 23 scientists on staff at the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, this is going to make scoring very complicated. <laughs> Which is why we're not going to do any. Uh, Ms. McCurdy, closing Ever. remarks. Um, I think I've said all I have to say tonight. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Well, we want to thank you for listening to uh, Think Again, My Friend, uh, produced by Kristen McCurdy and myself, um, Matthew Schuler with The Assist. Uh, special thanks to Jack Chatterton. And uh, thank you to uh, Mark Burgo for uh, being our, our guest panelist this week. Ah, no problem. It's a pleasure. Sure. And uh, and our regular panelist, Brandon Atkins. I have Kristen nothing McCurdy. to do with this show. Really? All right. <laughs> I, I, I've never even seen these people before. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening and good night day week. yeah evening podcast yes good good podcast can we yeah. say that <laughs> all right we'll go with that our theme contains elements from the album waste of energy by synthetic synergy our show is copyright 2010 all rights reserved 